0: In church. It is so good to be with you, and I want you to know how much I am missing you, just coming together and, and being together. I'm looking forward to that day, not, not that day ultimately when Jesus comes back, but that day when we get to come back together, what an amazing day that is going to be. And we're in a series on the book of Jonah. In fact, we're wrapping it up today, chapter 4. If you got your Bible, turn to chapter 4, your phone, your iPad, whatever, turn to Jonah uh, chapter 4. And let's catch ourselves up on what's happened so far in the first three chapters. By the way, the best way to read this story is in one sitting all the way through, like it's a story. But let, let's go back to the beginning of the story and, and pick up Jonah chapter one. It says the word of God came to Jonah. Okay, and, I can talk and it to says, him. Go preach against right Nineveh. I think that, go for it.
1: He's right here. I'll ask him. What, yeah, what let me doing? ask him. I'll call you back. What, okay. what are you doing? Oh, so I was just on the phone with Rhett and Neely, and they were just wondering if maybe we could do like a little kids thing real okay, quick. Okay, yeah.
0: The kids are here. The so kids are yeah. here. All right, fine. Awesome. Take it away. Sweet. Take it away.
1: What's up, Battle Creek kids? My name is AJ, and I'm here to give you a little bit of a recap at Rhett and Neely's request of the book of Jonah. So there was a guy named Jonah, and he, God called him to go to Nineveh and tell the people there about God. But Jonah was scared. Nineveh was a big city filled with lots of people who were mean and made some bad choices. So Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. So instead he tried to get as far away from Nineveh as he could and tried to get as far away from God as he could. So he got on a boat and went all the way out to the middle of the ocean trying to get away from God. But God needed to get his attention. So he sent a huge storm around the boat. And I need some help with this, so I need y'all's help, and I also need Pastor Alex, and I need Sharky. Come on out here, Sharky, everyone's favorite shark. And we're gonna recreate this storm, because I think the parents might need a little bit of help remembering what a storm sounds like. Okay. So here's what we're gonna do. The first thing is I need everyone to rub their hands together, good, that's gonna be the wind. And then we're gonna <laughs> hit, wow, some sound effects, that's good, I like it. Now we're gonna hit our legs, pat our legs with both hands, great job, that's the rain. So you can do one of those two things, and we're going to make the storm, because the storm got faster and louder and stronger. There was thunder. Yep. Okay, stop. Because Jonah realized something, and what Jonah realized was that the storm was for him and to get his attention. And if he wanted to save everyone on the boat, he had to get out of the boat. But they were in the middle of the ocean, Sharky. What are they going to do? So Jonah told all the people on the boat to throw him into the water. Isn't that crazy? So they did. And as soon as he got in the water, there was a huge fish that swallowed up Jonah. It wasn't a little fish. No, bigger than that. Bigger than that. And Sharky, bigger than you. Bigger than Sharky. Sharky. What does that remind me of? daddy shark do do doo doo do daddy shark do doo doo do daddy shark doo do doo do daddy shark wait okay hold on sorry sharky we'll talk later we got distracted okay let me get back on track here i just love that song so much okay daddy shark sharky big big fish okay jonah was swallowed by a big fish and while he was in the belly of that fish he realized that he should have followed god's plans and so He prayed to God for a second chance to go talk to Nineveh. And God gave him that chance by making the fish spit Jonah back up. And so once Jonah was on dry land, he knew what he had to do. So the first thing he did was hopefully clean himself up. And then he went to Nineveh and he told all the people there about God and how amazing he is. And guess what? All the people in Nineveh wanted to follow God. How awesome is that? Jonah was so scared. But he knew that God's plans were better and bigger than his fear and his plans. So that's something to remember is that our plans are always less important than God's
0: plans. Amen. Give you know? give give Alyssa a hand well, right. and welcome Hi, her off the stage. Yep. Uh, great job. In fact, all of you children, put your hands together for all of our children's ministry staff who is busting it to get all this content out to you every single week. But when you read that story, the, the story of Jonah, and you hear Jonah's sermon, it's almost like he was intentionally trying to mess the whole sermon up so that the people of Nineveh wouldn't repent. But they do repent. And there's this huge revival. And, and the people are praying, and they're weeping, and they're turning from their wicked ways. And, and in fact, over in the gospel of Luke, and Luke chapter 15, you see God's response to this kind of thing, the, uh, repentance and revival. He celebrates it. And that's what we do every week around here. When, when people get saved, we celebrate it. And, and by the way, just celebration after celebration after celebration of life change and, and people coming to know Christ. And last week, by the way, was no exception. In fact, I got a, a text or an email on Sunday night from a dad uh, who, who watched the sermon with his kids at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and they had built a fort along with the children's ministry earlier in the week, and so they were watching from the fort on Sunday afternoon. And when we got to the end of the message and, and I prayed and led people to Jesus, his, his small children, his littles, prayed and gave their lives to Christ. And, and he talked to them and said, we can wait till you're later when you understand this better and the kids began to explain. No, no, no. We completely understand it. And, and so even last week, we watched people give their lives to Christ, some at every campus, and, and we celebrate uh, what, what God celebrates. And God celebrates life change. But what did Jonah do in, in this story? He mopes and he complains. In fact, let, let's look at it back up to the end of chapter three, and let, let's look at how this plays out. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to all of their evil ways, he changed his mind, and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Now, jump over to chapter 4, and here we go, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became angry. Angry, And so, he complained to the Lord about it. He, he runs from his responsibility. Then he rushes through them. And after that, he watches this huge revival unfold. And, and so, watch that. He runs away. He rushes through his responsibility. Revival comes. And what does Jonah do? He sits down and he regrets it. This Jonah guy is a mess. And we don't really understand why Jonah uh, ran from the Lord over in chapter 1 until we get to the end of the book in chapter 4. Now, let, let's keep reading in, in verse 2. It says, so uh, Jonah ends up saying, Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I, I, I knew that you would are merciful. And I knew that you are a compassionate God. I know that you are slow to get angry, God, and you are filled with unfailing love. And and, and you are eager. uh, Look at what he says. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So let me explain this to you real quick. Jonah is mad at God for being God. And he says, I knew that you were compassionate. You're a compassionate God. By the way, he's quoting the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, the very words of God over in Exodus chapter 34. You remember that story where God passed in front of Moses and declared his name and declared his identity and declared his glory. In fact, let's look at it together. I am Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and the God of mercy. I I am slow to anger and I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I'm filled with those things. Listen, Jonah had read and repeated and memorized those verses since he was a boy. And now he's saying, I'm so upset that what I know about you, God, is actually true. I, I can't even get past the fact that he's mad at God for being God. He, he's quoting Exodus, but he's he's misquoting it. Watch this. I, I want to color code this for you and show you this Exodus verse versus Jonah's verse. Compassion and compassionate. Yellow. Uh, he, he said that. And, and merciful in the pink. He said that. Green, slow to get angry. Unfailing love in the blue. But, but do you see the red is missing in Jonah? Uh, he's misquoting this passage. He left out faithfulness. In other words, in his mind, he thinking, God, if you were faithful, you would have dealt with our enemies. Now, I want you to fill in the blank to to this question. In fact, I'm going to give you two minutes to discuss it. God, if you were faithful, you would have blank. Or God, if you are faithful, you will blank. Would you just take two minutes and you guys discuss this question in your living room, in your home, or in your watch party? That could be a heavy question, but but let me just help you tie a bow on that and help you understand that God's faithfulness is based on what He said He would do. Him doing what He said He would do, not what you and I want Him to do. And and we see Jonah ran in chapter 1. Why? Maybe because he is scared. The the Ninevites were mean, and they could kill him. Maybe he's afraid of what the others would think, the the other Israelites, that that if they find out he's gone over to the enemy and is helping the enemy, what would they do? But but then we realize, no, that's not it. He was confident that God would protect him, and he was confident in his calling. So what was it? What was this big roadblock in his way? Well, there were two of them, and, and they're the same for us. When we don't obey God and share Jesus. Listen, two roadblocks to sharing about Jesus for Jonah and us are are these two words, pride and prejudice. Pride and prejudice. Now we're going to walk through uh, this last chapter of Jonah and unpack these things, but, but I wanted to use these words, pride and prejudice, because first of all, that's what it is. But second of all, I wanted an easy way for you to remember it. And Pride and Prejudice is the name of a novel by Jane Austen. And, and you remember uh, way back when, when we did last year, the Wizard of Awe series, and and I said that I'm not much of a fiction fan. In fact, if it's between reading the book or watching the movie, I, I will almost always choose watching uh, the movie. But, but when it comes to movies like uh, this movie, uh, Pride and Prejudice, by the way, I did a little research on this, and, and when it comes to movies like this that aren't really about pride or Prejudice, I, I will uh, skip the book and the movie. And, and so as we walk through this today, I wanted an easy way for you to remember it. And we all know the title to this book, uh, Pride and Prejudice, so you're welcome. And, and so let me just set the stage a little bit and let's talk some background here. The, the book of Jonah was written by a Jew for other Jews. Now, this is very important uh, because it wasn't written for the Ninevites, and it wasn't written directly to you and, and, and me. It wasn't even written for Christians first, although we can learn from it. It was written by a Jew, maybe Jonah, maybe someone after he was dead and gone, for Jews. The book was written by a Jew for other Jews. And that's strange because the only Jew in the entire book is Jonah, who is a jerk. And he's not a good guy. And he doesn't come off good at all. In fact, all of the pagans, the non-God followers in the book, end up repenting and worshiping God, and serving God, and they do what Jonah was supposed to do, but never really does. And you would think that a book written by Jews for Jews would paint them in a really nice light, but it doesn't. In fact, it makes them to be full of pride and prejudice. And before you say that, I'm saying that all Jews are like that. I'm not saying that. It doesn't mean that all Jews uh, are bad or are like that. In fact, if this was written in the Middle Ages uh, for the Catholic Church, then the priests and the bishops would probably be the ones that look bad. If it were written for Hollywood, it would be the actors and actresses that would look uh, bad. If it was written... For Wall Street, it'd be the stockbrokers that look bad. If it was written in modern-day America, it would be us who, who would be the bad guys. My point is the whole book is not about how great Jonah is. It, it, it's a warning to not act like Jonah at all, especially when it comes to these twin problems of pride and prejudice. There's a sense all throughout the Bible that there was a problem with the people of God. And way back when, when God told Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and Abraham was so excited because he always wanted a big family, and then God said, the reason I'm doing this is so that you can bless the nations. The reason I'm blessing you is so you can bless the nations. And by the time you get to the end of the book, the end of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation, millions and billions of people from all over the world, all nations are coming to Christ. In fact, the number is so big, it's too many to count. And just like God promised Abraham, hey, go count all the uh, grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many descendants and blessings you are going to have. and, And in fact, let's look at it in Genesis 12:2. I will bless you to be a blessing. That's why God blesses us. And last week, we our church delivered meals to apartment buildings and, and sack lunches. And, and we've been collecting masks for the medical professionals at Jinx. And in fact, we found out one of our Midtown members had 30 of those masks that, that he was able to donate. We've been helping people get toilet paper and other things all week long. Blessed to be a blessing. But somewhere along the line, the Jewish attitude started to Uh, focus on on the first part of this, and this is the way they read this verse. I will bless you to be a blessing. And and they just focused in on the first part, and they forgot the whole rest of the line. When when God, I think, wanted to put it in in, in this context, I will bless you to be a blessing. In fact, when you go over to John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to who? He's talking to Jewish people. And he says, the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And and they say, free? We're not slaves. And and when you know the story, they've never been anything but slaves. And, And he ends up looking at them and saying, you're not the real children of Abraham. In fact, your real father is the devil. That is a heavy statement. Why did Jesus say that? Because they weren't doing what God told them to do, to go share his blessing with the rest of the world. They were hoarding the blessing of God. Then you get to the New Testament and the book of Acts, and on the day of Pentecost, Thousands of Jews were saved, and it's amazing. But, but then after that, some of the Gentiles, or non-Jewish people, uh, started getting saved. And they said, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on a minute. We're not sure this is the way to do things. We think you should go back and become Jewish first, and then we'll see. And Peter's like, hey guys, th- this is not it. In fact, let's look at it over in Acts chapter 15 and, and verse 9. He says, he made no distinction between us and them. For he cleansed their hearts through faith, just like he cleansed our hearts. So why are you now challenging God? And even after this, there's still people going around saying, you got to jump through all of these hoops and hurdles if you want to be a Christian. Now, now listen, this problem's not a Jewish problem. It's a flesh problem. Because every single one of us knows a Christian who acts just like that that you have to belong to my church or my club or my whatever. You, you have to pass this test or agree to this theology. You have to act this way or, act sh- or you're not a real uh, Christian. And, and we keep putting up personal roadblocks that keep us from telling people about Jesus. And, and Jonah was a reluctant missionary. Why? He, he was struggling with two things, pride and prejudice. He thought too much of himself and too little of others. And down deep, We all have the same problems to some level, and they keep us from sharing Jesus with other people. So let's tackle these two things today, pride and prejudice. Look at the definition of pride. Pride is thinking too much of yourself. When we think of pride, we all think of this definition, and I know all of us across all of our homes and all of our places that we're watching from today would agree with this definition of pride, but in this culture... I know that self-esteem is at an all-time low. And so in this culture, maybe we could reverse these two phrases and say it this way. Pride is thinking uh, of yourself too much. Of yourself too much. And not too much of yourself, but thinking of yourself too much. We think of ourselves too much. And when we overthink it, we begin to run into these roadblocks that we put up. In fact, last week, the number one reason you gave for for why you are ill-equipped or don't share uh, Jesus on a regular basis is what if they say no or even bigger, what if they ask a tough question? And we talk ourselves out of sharing Jesus because we're thinking of ourselves too much and there's real joy in telling other people about Jesus. Why? Because you get to become an answer or a part of the answer to their issues in life. And it can actually be a self-esteem booster when you get out of your own way and you let God use you to change someone else's life. That 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 was a really good statement, actually. In fact, just type amen in your comment section. I don't know how we're going to do this in this day and age, but just, just do that. Just type amen and say good word, preach it out, whatever you want to do in the comments. But but, but take a moment in your living room, your watch party, your group, around your table. And, and I want you to right now just share a prayer request that you have. And whoever the host is uh, uh, of your home or your group, take a minute and you pray for a need or the needs in your group. And if you're watching all alone and you, you don't have a watch party, just take a moment and text somebody you know. Maybe they're in your community group. Maybe they're a family member. And just say, hey, God's got you. Let's minister one to another for for a couple of minutes. And the reason that Jonah never found joy at the end of the story is because he let pride keep him from God's blessing because ultimately he thought of himself too much or, or, or too often, Jonah had a pride issue, and it was exhausting to the degree he had to lay down and, and take a nap. And in fact, thinking about yourself all of the time is tiring, and it is stress-inducing. Have you noticed maybe your thoughts have shifted just in the last few days or, or a couple of weeks that what we used to think we were in bondage to were no longer in bondage to? It no longer has a hold on us at all, like, like kids' sports schedules or social media uh, likes and Shares and followers, or 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 like what you're going to wear, right? Because if you're at home, you're you're wearing your pajamas, and and many of us have shifted from looking inward at ourselves to starting to look outward at others and what they may uh, need. Pride was keeping Jonah from telling others about God, and it can keep us uh, from doing it too because it's so exhausting. I, I was just telling Meredith the other day. It appears that through this weird time we're walking through, I'm not as tired in the evening as I used to be. and uh, that that We're doing crazy things in our house like taking walks around the block. We haven't done that in a decade. And and by the way, I I, I advise you to do what I've been doing on my walks. I've I've been trying to apply all of the principles I learned over in Facebook and Instagram uh, to to my neighbors as we pass one another on a walk. In fact, I tell every neighbor who is passing me by what I I've eaten how I feel, what I did the day before, what I will do later, and with whom. And, and I hand them pictures of myself, my family, my dog. I, I'm giving them videos of me taking things apart in the garage or watering the yard or having lunch. And and uh, if I like the conversations I overhear as they pass me by, I'm giving them a big thumbs up. And just like on Facebook, I already have four people who are following me around the block. Two police officers, a private investigator, and a shrink. And, and, but but look back in chapter 1 at chapter 1 verse 16 in the book of Jonah and look at what the captain of the ship says to Jonah when he wakes him up how can you sleep at a time like this he shouted get up and pray to your God maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives hear me the world church needs to see us pray like we believe in our God like we believe in him literally who knows knows they say who knows what this god of yours will do this, this is a pagan gentile guy admitting that he didn't know god at all and, and and Jonah gets to Nineveh and preaches the shortest sermon in the history of the world and here's what the king's response is Jonah chapter 3 Everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and and stop all of their violence. Verse 9, and who knows? Perhaps even yet your God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Who knows? Maybe God will do this. Maybe God will do that. Who knows? It's worth a shot. Let's try it, right? And and what does Jonah say in chapter 4 in the next verse, verse 2? He says, I knew. Jonah knew. They were all asking, who knows? And Jonah knew he just looked the other way. Look at what he says. I knew that you were a merciful God. I knew that you were a compassionate God. I knew that you were slow to get angry and you were filled with unfailing love. It was pride that kept Jonah from telling those on the boat. And it was pride that kept Jonah from telling those in Nineveh, hey, I know I know all about this God. He's compassionate. It was pride that kept him from speaking up. And all around you, church, people today are asking, who knows? Who knows how I can get my life straightened out? Who knows when this coronavirus thing is going to end? Who knows why I have this emptiness down deep inside of me? Who knows what would happen if I just tried this God thing? And you know. You know because you know God. And, and, and we stop short from speaking up. Why? Because of pride. What will they think? What if they think you might be onto something? And what will they say? What if they say, yeah, I'll give your God a chance. I'll try that out. What will happen to these people whom I consider my my friends? Their lives might just change for the better. But we let our pride cause us to stop short of sharing our faith with others. If pride means that we think too much of ourselves, then, then what does prejudice mean? Prejudice is thinking too little of others. But just like we did before, you can reverse this definition and, and put it this way, that prejudice is thinking of others too little, not thinking enough about them. How many of you in the last few days have now thought about the senior adults across the street? We, we have. We've called the check on them. Or, or you've been seeing your neighbor out on a walk, and the first thing you ask is, how are you doing? And you mean it. And it's in times like these where we do start thinking of others a lot. And even those of us who are the most inward thinking are now starting to see true joy in thinking about other people. where where you used to have to try to figure out how to build a bridge in a conversation, the bridge is there. You have something in common with eight billion people on the planet right now. And it is a constant concern. And it is a concern that only God can help with. Only God. And and so you're talking to your neighbor and you're saying, hey, if you need toilet paper, let me know. And they say, same back to you. And those of you who are teachers, you're picking up the phone, you're calling all the parents and say, how are you doing? And you're checking on uh, your students and you have great joy in your heart because that's who you are and that's what you're called to or maybe you Venmo cash to someone who has laid off work because you're not using your pike pass budget now because you're not going to school or you're not going to work and so here's what I want you to do in your group, in your watch party, at your around your table or in your living room, just talk for two minutes about how you all can impact others in the days to come. Just take a few minutes and think through that. I would love to hear all of the things that you just came up with. I I wish I could be a fly on the wall or in your computer screen and hear all the amazing ideas you just came up with. I want want to share one idea that uh, Bob and our community group ministry and care ministry came up with is this little card that that just says, Battle Creek Care Team, how can I help? And there's a place for you to fill in your name and put your phone number or your email address. And it just says if you're social distancing distancing due to COVID-19, Can I help you with? And they could check. Picking up shopping or a prayer, a friendly phone call, dropping or picking up mail, urgent supplies, et cetera. Just call me or text me. I'll do my best to help you for free. I'm your neighbor, and I'm a member of Battle Creek Church. And and so you can print this card out or or even take a digital version. Just go to battlecreekchurch.com, go to the Get Involved tab, and then download the care team card. And you could send this, you could text it to somebody, you could share it on social media, or you could print it out. And you and your children, as you prayer walk your neighborhood, can leave them in mailboxes or on the front door. And and here's what happens. When we start to see things through their point of view, we start to consider life in their shoes. Instead of worrying about our own comfort and our own opinions, we start to think of others more and what they need the most, Jesus. And, and Paul said in Philippians chapter 2... And in verse 3, think of others as better than yourself. That was the attitude that Jesus had. And let me just clue you in. He is better than you and better than me, but he didn't act like it. And he didn't treat us like that. And and he put on human skin. And he came down to our level. And we have salvation because of that. Now, I'm running out of time here. Uh, I have more notes and more content. But I do think this is a good stopping point. And so I'll tell you what I will do. I'm going to jump on a video this afternoon with a couple of our AV uh, team and AV guys. And if you want to engage with me on the rest of Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 11, uh, then go to my social media, Alex Hamaya, or the church's social media, and we'll put up some bonus content. It's kind of like when you go see the Avengers movie and you have to wait, you know, through the credits to see the last scene. And so I'll give you some bonus content this afternoon. In fact, community groups this week, you could use this as the first 10 or 15 minutes of your community group to launch the discussion. We'll put it up this afternoon. It'll be there in the archive so that you can get to it. In fact, one of the things I read the other day, and I want you to think through this church, the real tragedy in this whole pandemic, it is not going to be the sickness or even the death, and, and that's tragedy. But, but this author said the real tragedy is going to be the people who will come out of this thing on the other side unchanged. Guys, we have the greatest opportunity since World War II to live this thing out, to not just attend church, but to actually be the church. And and so here's what I want you to do. We're we're organizing our whole church and our whole uh, body into three teams, prayer, care, and share. Prayer, care, and share. And the prayer team is going to go from monthly requests that change out every month to weekly and maybe even daily. Uh, last week I quoted to you 2 Chronicles chapter 7 that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I, God, will hear from heaven, will heal their land, and will forgive their sins. And so if you want to be a part of our prayer team, the Battle Creek Circle prayer team, then email prayer at battlecreekchurch.com, prayer at battlecreekchurch.com. Heather McCullough will get back with you She is building an army of prayer warriors. With the care portion, maybe you work in an organization that cares for the community, like DVIS or DHS or a food bank, and caring is what you do. Get on the care team. Let's brainstorm together what we can do together. We are better together. And something, by the way, we can all do this coming week at the Broken Arrow campus from 11 to 1, Monday through Thursday, 11 to 1, Monday through Thursday, you can bring groceries. non-perishable food items, canned foods, uh, beans, rice, whatever. You you can bring toilet papers and essentials like toothpaste or or, or paper towels and drop them off under the awning at the front door. We'll have people there so that you can just drive through and put it in a trailer or or somebody will help you if you don't want to get out of your car so that when the day comes and we have to pivot again, church, we can care for our community greatly and we need to get ready for that today. So the care team. And so I'm not asking you to not eat. I'm asking you to not think of yourselves only. The the early church taught us how to respond with care and share with and for each other. And if you'd like to be a part of the care team, send an email to care at battlecreekchurch.com care at battlecreekchurch.com. And and then thirdly, all of you who live online, you are masters at social media and marketing, maybe video, maybe you do that for a living and it's your profession. You you work for an ad agency, a marketing agency, a social media firm. We need you. You you can teach people how to engage and how to connect and maybe even create some content for for the gospel to go out. So we need you. In fact, look at this slide our team showed me this week related to our reach and, and, and Views on our services. People were reaching for Jesus. People engaging online. This last week, it went over seventeen thousand service viewers. That's unbelievable. Seventeen thousand. In fact, look at this one. There was another slide that they showed me earlier that I thought we had here that talks about the reach going up over a hundred thousand people in engagement that has happened on our social media this last week. And so, if you want to be a part of this team, you want to share the gospel in the digital world, then you send an email to share at battlecreekchurch.com, share at battlecreekchurch.com, and our team will get out to you, and we'll set up a meeting, a Zoom meeting or something, and we'll follow up with you to get your uh, brainstorming, to get your ideas, and to get you involved in what we're doing to reach the world together. In fact, let's pray, and let me pray for you and over you, just in your living room. Just bow your heads and close your eyes, and let me say, Father, today we love you. We thank you for the Word of God, how it changes our lives, how it's living and alive. It cuts us into our life source, into who we really are. Would you penetrate our own lives? Holy Spirit, we want to be full of you and led by you. Would you grow your church during the days to come like you haven't ever done before, we want to be a part of a move of God and a part of a revival and a part of a a great awakening. Would you use us to do that? And if you're here today and you're watching and you're streaming and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, would you pray with me right where you're seated? Would, Would just under your breath, would you just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin." Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, and my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I trust you alone to save me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say Amen and amen. Right there in the comment section, you just prayed that prayer and you meant it. Would you just put in the comments, I I believe, or or, or you can text uh, Battle Creek to 55, whatever that number is. We'll put it up here on the screen. I don't remember it, but we'll put it up, the connect card. You can fill it out and just check. I I prayed to receive Christ. We, We would love to know about it and love to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless.